0: 2009, the financial crisis had happened, right? And I was 29, 30, 30 at the time, and my dad had just passed away. The business, which you know, I was in my 20s, so I just thought we were entitled to growth because, like, the first four years of the business, we had like you know 1,600 percent growth over a couple years, um, and then all of a sudden, this financial crisis hit. And the speaking industry just shut down. And I won't ever forget, we were at the uh, Pyramid Club in Philadelphia. And it was the five partners that ascended at the time. And, you know, I won't say names, but one of these uh, partners is a very popular personality right now. And another is a best-selling author. So you have five smart people in the room. And we were just looking at each other and had no idea what to do. And so we ended up um, essentially disbanding that version of Ascendant. And I started over by myself in 2010. Mm. And it took a couple years to get back to where we were. And it was a humbling journey person we both know went through his criminal incident who was a top client of ours. So that took away our best case study, right? So, and it damaged a lot of relationships. So it took a lot of healing, a lot of time, a lot of consistency to get to the next point. Well, first to get back to where we were, right? And then a few years later, we started having this pattern of being what I would call impressively mediocre. We had three years of the exact same revenue. And so what I decided was that it was time to really think outside the box. I went to a Navy SEAL entrepreneur training in San Diego Mm -hmm. and I got my tail kicked in the morning, I absolutely did. But at lunchtime, there was this exercise to go into a helicopter jump into the Pacific Ocean. It's like 60 degrees this day. And at first I said I wasn't going to do it. And then I rallied myself and did it. And even though there's like a life preserver, I don't know how to swim, right? So I'm a black man who doesn't know how to swim jumping out of a helicopter into the Pacific Ocean at 60 degrees. So this doesn't sound like a good idea, does it? No. So, So I did it. And then I was just so exhilarated afterwards that like that afternoon, I was crushing everybody. Like I was running the fastest, I was doing the most exercises. And then we grew 50% that year. And that was the turning point. Uh, uh,
1: I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simon, yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it Then I met my boy, David E. Simon Welcome to another episode of How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I'm honored to have today's guest on. Uh, He is someone I greatly admire. I'll I'll share more about that in my personal bio for him. But his official bio is Raul Davis is the CEO of Ascendant Group, uh, an award-winning global leader in CEO branding firm. If you Google the term CEO branding, they've dominated that term CEO branding. Ranked number three worldwide out of 11,400 branding agencies, on Ad World Masters top agency list as well as the number 1 ranked minority owned PR firm in the United States and one of PR News top 100 ranked elite agencies if that's not enough for you as Senate offers one of the most integrated agency models in the world including brand strategy PR, literary representation, design, social media, video, photography, and strategic relationships. Clients include Fortune 500 executives, Inc. 5000 CEOs, venture capitalists, high-performing entrepreneur brands, and best-selling self-help authors looking to amplify their reach. In recent years, Ascendant has been active in the Web3 space, healthcare, and real estate industries. Raul Davis regularly writes content for forbes and entrepreneur and has been featured and invited to small business summits at the white house the u.s chamber of commerce and the u.s senate he's the author of the book Firestarters: starters how innovators initiators and instigators can inspire you to ignite your own life davis serves as chairman of the board of directors for life in christ cathedral of faith and is inspired daily to pave the way for the success of others so uh amazing amazing bio but let me tell you about uh raul my friend um someone who drew, truly truly cares about people and takes the time for people um he has a heart of gold and he's a strategic mind probably the most strategic people i've ever met in my life and, and and he he's has a way to just integrate his strategic mind into the business and i think that's why his business is so successful but he's also a family man an amazing husband an amazing father Uh, shout out to my buddy, Austin, his, his son, who's, uh, he, he just told me he won his, uh, the, the black belt already at 10 years old, which is amazing that the goes to the Testament of how much Raul invested time into his son. Um, he's a man of God. He's a, he's a man of his integrity. He's a man of his word. If he says something, he's going to do it. Um, I've, I've seen Raul, um, just in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, just the same person. You know, a lot of times you meet people and you wonder uh, how they are in front of the camera or or when the lights are on or in, in the presence of other people. And then you wonder if that's the same. This he's true in, true out. Uh, he's he's just a stand up guy all the way around. Pleasure and honor to have you on the show. Pleasure and honor to call you friend. Thank you for being on the show, Raul.
0: Bro, thanks for having me.
1: No doubt. No doubt. So let's dig in, Raul. I know some of these pieces, but I still, again, for the purposes of the listeners, here in this show is about how I discovered my gift. How do you discover your, your gift? Can you can you take us just through the journey um, from childhood to into adulthood and how you got into this whole space that you're in today?
0: Yeah, of course. I'm, I'd be happy to. So it definitely was not the planned route. So... When I was a freshman in high school, uh, my mom passed away from breast cancer, and that just kind of impacted me really deeply. I went from a, like a B-plus student to a 1.25 GPA. Impressively bad. I, um, I got in some trouble with the law. Uh, my dad ended up moving us from New York to Richmond, Virginia. I spent my next three years uh running track being a little bit more focused in high school and graduating with a whopping 1.87 so as you can imagine not too many schools are going to let you run track with those sort of grades so i didn't have many choices for undergrad one school was going to have me in on academic probation at the gate, so i passed on that one and i ended up going to winston-salem state university so black university down in, in north carolina so my freshman year my dad laid down the gauntlet and said if you don't have a 3.0 freshman year, well, I'm not gonna pay for your sophomore year. So I magically got a 3.0. Wow. At the end of my freshman year, I had the opportunity to run for Vice President Campus Activities Board. And my motivation at the time was my friend said, I'd be in charge of throwing all the parties on campus. So just to give you a sense of where my headspace was at the time. <laughs> so I go, they nominate me for president instead, I win. Then everyone in the group hates me because I'm president and I wasn't involved a year before. So I had to decide out of pure social necessity, I was going to develop some leadership skills. So I did that, did good my next year as Campus Activity Board leader, and I got my first lesson in branding. I thought because I worked hard, that was going to be enough to get me to be a Secretary of Judicial Affairs for student government that next year. Well, I ran against a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, and it did not go well for me. Mm. <laughs> it was us very badly so I ended up getting appointed to a position in student government as well and then I got my second lesson in branding we had a new chancellor he came in after a guy who was accused of financial discrepancies not talking to students and all those sort of terrible things so Dr. Martin basically came in and focused on two things and it really kind of blew me away one he focused on the physical plant for the school so basically how it looks the grass being cut the buildings looking nice number two he walked around campus and talked to students and faculty and engaged with the community and off the back of those two things don't get me wrong he's a phd in engineering and all those Mm -hmm. sort of things but most leaders are smart right but it was his ability to create relationships and connect with people Drove that school from twenty eight hundred students to six thousand over the wow. course of, of five years before he moved on, and 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 during that time, I, I ended up as um, in student as a VP in student government. Um, after I learned to strategically partner with a member of the sorority we had lost to that I'd lost to previously, she ended up being mm. my running mate. So I ended up winning <laughs> VP uh, and beat a football player. <laughs> so right. so. We have Karis one on campus for a speaking event, 1,100 students there. And I said to the bureau we worked with afterwards, I said, I love what you guys do. Do you have any internships? They said, no. I said, well, can you give me one anyway? So we started booking speakers at universities across the country. And I just knew that these other student governments had money like we did. And I was like, you know, use me instead of some old guy you don't know to book your speakers. That was my big fancy sales pitch. I had no sales training, but it worked. So I would then fly to like Atlanta during the summer, visit every school there, drive all the way to New Orleans, no appointments. And this was in the day of Yahoo Maps. So if you got lost, you had to go to the gas station, right? Um, Did really well at it. Getting, Getting ready to finish grad school now at University of Delaware and two clients from this bureau I've been working with this whole time called me and said, we love working with you. Why don't you start your own company? We'll become your first two clients. And so that's how ascendant was born
1: wow wow so i, I just noticed some f- other f- other few pieces that you did talk about that i would love for you to to hit on right so could you, could you hit on some of the like you're this is happening while you're in school but you you book some major acts like krs1 is one a big one but can you talk about like some of the stuff you did like that was mind-blowing to me to to do that in college right
0: yeah, so worked on a, a Jay-Z concert as well. That was a whole fun story. Ended up being on MTV, <laughs> the show that we had for him. Um, and then when I got my start in my career launching Ascendant, you know, we've worked with Tavis. Uh, we've booked Tavis Smiley, Mike Huckabee, Cornell West, um, tons of people, Bazoma um, St. John. Uh, So, you know, like we've had the good fortune of working with a lot of great talent, John Legend, all the way down. Um, So when I started the business, it was a innovative model at the time. We basically took our clients at the time and not only booked them directly, but also got them represented with speaker bureaus. So we kind of used the bureaus as a distribution source. So it was called speaker management, which is very normal now, but at the time it was quite innovative. So after doing that for two years, we realized, you know what determines how much someone speaks? It's their popularity their brand, right? So we started looking at PR and securing book deals as a way to just help them get more speaking engagements. Then after a few years of that, we started shifting away from having a mostly entertainment-leaning clientele to beginning to have CEOs and executives. And the term personal branding was getting very popular around 2009. So we just wanna take a hard look at the business and say, what can we do to further differentiate ourselves? And we looked at the marketplace and realized only one company was talking about CEO branding at all. So we just decided to put our stake there. And that's where we've been the last 14 years. And we just began Mm -hmm. building out the model. So we now have PR in-house, social in-house, um, design, photography, videography, literary representation. We stacked all these pieces together um, to get us to where we are today. We're the world's most integrated CEO branding company.
1: Amazing. Amazing. What, what, what a story. Now, can you take us, I want to go further back in the childhood. Did you know what your dominant gift was? And, and if not, um, what is your dominant gift?
0: my dominant gift as a kid was fighting like (laughs) i got to fight all the time like for some reason i'm really good at it i mean even like my best friend i got in five fights with between the age of like 10 and 15. so that was my prominent skill so no it wasn't even close to where
1: (laughs) things ended up (laughs) wow wow so what when you look back now connecting the dots what is your dominant gift?
0: I I think my dominant gift is to under is to be willing to listen and discover what people's strengths are and then to figure out how to amplify those right Mm -hmm. and like I think so too many times we focus on what our weaknesses are and, and put too much energy on trying to get our weaknesses to be what mediocre? Well, that's not gonna get you paid. That's not gonna help the world. What's gonna help the world is when you take your best skills and you become more cultivated in them, right? Mm -hmm. And when you learn to put 100% effort in alignment with what your best talents are, and when you put that together and you figure out what your purpose is, then all of it works together.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. So when did you when did you start using that and leveraging that? I mean, like, looking back, you, you do that so effortlessly with Ascendant, but were you doing that back in, like, let's say, high school or, or when you were running these events? And how were you? In, you know? it, really,
0: it really started in undergrad. So when I got into, um, w- when I was running the campus activities board as president and all these students hated me, I had to figure out, like, well, what is it? that would gain their respect, right? And I realized that it was them seeing consistency and hard work. So I had to first kind of model that myself. And then I had to um, create that expectation with them and push them, right? And see what people were good at and then to help them focus in their areas of strength. And I learned over time that you should not demand out of people what their weaknesses are either right mm. it, it's just a formula for frustration like in organizations we have this tendency and especially in entrepreneurial organizations to stretch people until we are incompetent wow. so basically you know johnny's good at this he's good at that all right let's just keep going and then at some point johnny runs into his incompetence and then we don't like johnny anymore and we don't work Wow, <laughs> that is like the typical trend line. So you have to learn how to resist that temptation because, like, you like somebody and you just keep expanding, but you can expand it to a point where it becomes defeatist.
1: Wow, that's deep. That's deep. So, like, where was this aha? So you were you were operating your gift unknowingly, like, yeah. right? When did when did this become like? I know that I'm great at this and I am executing this intentionally. And where did that kind of meet with Ascendant and where and where did it take Ascendant? Well, I mean, book? so I,
0: I'm really slow to use words like great. And I think it's important for other people to make decisions uh, uh, and, and judge me as opposed to using that sort of claim on myself. So it's funny, cause I didn't really think about it until it came time to write the book, Firestarters. Um, and it was with my 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 former grad school roommate, Dr. Paul Eater, who's a social psychologist and was at the Center for Organizational Effectiveness at the time, as well as a professor at um, Syracuse. And what I realized was that there's like kind of a formula for some of this stuff, right? And we're able to put in a book, like I'll just give you one of the principles quickly. It's this idea of cognitive convergence. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples of it. So um, I was told this story by a person who's one of the top um, record setters for NCAA in terms of three-pointers. told me how he was in the gym with um, with, the, with another NBA, play, with an NBA player, and Kobe Bryant came into the gym, and this player who he was working with on his three-point shot tried to speak to Kobe, and Kobe just completely ignored him. Then, like, maybe 10 to 15 minutes later, You know, ball goes down to the side of Kobe's court. This player tries to speak to Kobe again, and Kobe just ignores him again. And then so finally, Kobe's leaving, and he's like, yo, what's up? What's your problem? And Kobe goes, I heard what you said. You said Dwayne Wade's the toughest person to guard in the NBA. I'll be coming to see you real soon. So what does that story mean? It means that Kobe was willing to figure out a way to always be at the top of his game. Like, he would make up manufacture reasons, right? And it was so that he could always have the greatest competitive edge. And then when you think about, like, years ago, Tom Brady met Super Bowl against the Falcons, and I'm sorry to anyone in Atlanta listening to this. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it was twenty-eight to three or whatever it was, twenty-nine to three. But you looked at that sideline and you couldn't tell if it was seven to seven the way Tom Brady looked. Right? And like he just had a look like, all right, well, we'll just have to score twenty-seven points to win this game. And then his team felt that same way, right? And what did Tom Brady do? He went back in his mind to a moment previously where he came back from some other deficit, and they won, right? And even though this situation isn't completely applicable, like coming back 10 points from the Seahawks is nothing like coming back 26 points. But Tom Brady, to him, it's the same, okay? If I can do this, then I can do that. And that's what the idea of cognitive convergence is. It's this idea of being able to take any situation and to make it work for
1: you. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's deep mm-hmm. that's deep man Wow so we, we, we're gonna talk about the book too and people got to get the book it's a good book um so so take us through the steps of of the development process for you Raul because uh, you said you had to work hard prove yourself show yourself to these to these students who didn't really want you to be the president and you end up becoming president and the 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 kind of work ethic it takes behind the scenes I, I think a lot of times people estimate, Building a company is just, you know, it, it, entrepreneurship is the sexiest thing to do in the world because it's, it's been branded that way. But there's a lot of hard things to have to handle decisions and things of that nature. Could you talk about your own personal development that you've put into yourself to develop yourself? Yeah, to?
0: absolutely. Um, so I, I had a pastor once say, um, you can't fire a cannon from a canoe. So basically, if your grounding is not at stable enough, you're gonna cave in on yourself, all right? Another example of that that's directly related to business is um, Ram Meyer, this um, MIT um, alumni who uh, ran the Mid-Market Institute used to say that most CEOs who become $30 million CEOs aren't able to take for business failure because they still have the mindset of a million-dollar CEO. So. Personal development has to come along with the growth of your business. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't come along fast enough, then it will just cave in on itself. And that's what I had to learn to focus on over time is that there are three things that we can control all the time. We can always control our vision. You can always control your focus. You can always control your effort. Mm. And If you are consistent in those things, and I don't mean a hundred percent, we can go with 85, right? Mm -hmm. If you're 85, you're probably three times better than the average person. If you're 75, you're doing a lot better than other people. So if you can just like constantly push in most areas, you'll win. It's inevitable. And even though there will be bumps and roadblocks and people will die in our lives and challenges will happen and financial disasters will occur, if you keep just kind of pushing forward, right, it sounds like a rocky speech, but if you keep, Good. you know, pushing forward,
1: then you'll win. Mm. Can you give us a story just for your, from your, if you don't mind sharing, just, you know, where probably most people would give up in, in business or uh you know and where you persevere
0: yeah yeah so in um 2000 2009 the financial crisis had happened right and i was 29 30 30 at the time and my dad had just passed away the business which you know i was in my 20s so i just thought we were entitled to growth because like the first four years of a business we had like you know 1600% growth over a couple of years. Um, and then all of a sudden, his financial crisis hit, and the speaking industry just shut down. And I won't ever forget, we were at the uh, Pyramid Club in Philadelphia, and it was the five partners that ascended at the time. And, you know, I won't say names, but one of these uh, partners is a very popular personality right now, and another is a best-selling author. So you have five smart people in the room and we were just looking at each other and had no idea what to do. And so we ended up um, essentially disbanding that version of Ascendant. And I started over by myself in 2010. Mm. And it took a couple years to get back to where we were. And it was a humbling journey because it was like, You know top of the game oh and by the way um that person we both know went through his criminal incident who was a top client of ours so that took away our best case study right so and it damaged a lot of relationships so it took a lot of healing a lot of time a lot of consistency to get to the next point well first to get back to where we were right And then a few years later, we started having this pattern of being what I would call impressive, impressively mediocre, we had three years of the exact same revenue. And so what I decided was that it was time to really think outside the box. I went to a Navy SEAL entrepreneur training in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And I had never done so many push ups and burpees. I mean, like, we're talking about hundreds of these, like in the course of a couple hours, right. And I got my tail kicked in the morning. I absolutely did. But at lunchtime, there was this exercise to go into a helicopter, jump into the Pacific Ocean. It's like 60 degrees this day. And at first I said I wasn't going to do it. And then I rallied myself and did it. And even though there's like a life preserver, I don't know how to swim, right? So... I'm a black man who doesn't know how to swim, jumping out of a helicopter into the Pacific Ocean at 60 degrees. So this doesn't sound like a good idea, does it? <laughs> so, so I did it. And then I was just so exhilarated afterwards that like that afternoon, I was crushing everybody. Like I was running the fastest, I was doing the most exercises. And then we grew 50% that year. And that was the turning
1: Wow. So the business grew as you grew. Correct. Wow. 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 So, so if you don't mind, if you could go into like, you know, some people have regular regimented processes for their personal development and the the development they do. What, what are some things that you do on a regular basis to keep yourself in that kind of like mind state mindset mindset, Uh, those types of things.
0: Yeah, so one of the things you have to do is kind of always be willing to look at some of the new cutting edge ideas and uh, pull some pieces, try them, and see what sticks, right? So last year for us, it was the EOS book, Entrepreneur Organization System. And we pulled some major pieces for that and it helped us get a lot more organized in terms of our project management and we got way more productive. And then this year, it became the, tw- the 12-week year. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this book, but the idea is basically to try to think of a quarter as a year. So be way more aggressive because, like, nobody knows what's going to happen after 90 days anyway. And when you do a one-year plan, you keep kicking the ball down the road, right? Like, oh, yeah. oh, I didn't get it done this month. Oh, I didn't get it done this quarter. I'll get it. And then you end up in November and you're like, dang. This whole year's gone by and I have to squeeze this in. So, the, what the 12 week year does is every one of those 12 weeks matters, right? So, you have like goals you're trying to accomplish for a quarter. Then you have a set of activities each week. And the goal is to meet 85% of your activities because then t- the study research says you'll hit your goals.
1: Mm, that's good. That's good. So, How big of a part does your your gifting of being able to recognize the strengths in others, how big of a part does it play in the success of Ascendant and its growth?
0: That was huge. I mean, because um, learning to see where people are struggling becomes the key to retaining them. Because if someone is beginning to struggle, they begin to lose their self-confidence. They begin to lose their motivation. And eventually we're on their way out. So you've got to identify it early and then redirect them to operate within their strengths. And then to think about what aspects of her weaknesses do you need to maybe get massaged a bit so that it becomes passable, right? But you're never going to turn a weakness into a strength it's just like not a practical reality like maybe it can happen over five years Mm -hmm. but most people don't have time to for an employee to give them that much room
1: got you so what would you say to the person right say a young ceo is listening a young aspiring pr firm owner they're listening they're like okay raul i'm good at these things but how do i make a company that's good at Multiple things like you are, like you have, but I'm only good at this thing. And how can I make sure that my company is excellent in those things, even though I'm not excellent in those things? Yeah, like, I mean,
0: so I'm going to get counterintuitive advice. Um, so yeah. your company's not going to be great at the things you're not. It just isn't. So mm-hmm. at least not early on. It's going to follow your strengths. So you need to be able to be best in class in the areas that you're strong try to eliminate as much of the other stuff as you can, and then become manageable in the areas that are that have to be had, right? I mean, so for instance, if your weakness is operations, your first goal is for your operations to be manageable. Not great. It's not gonna be great. They'll be manageable, okay? But if you have, I mean, look, think about it like this. For any company there is, if you are great at business development and client retention like how much room does that give you to fail in every other area right yeah so so you have to figure out like what is the priority that gives you the rope in the areas that you're developing in
1: Mm, deep 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 so in thinking about all of this right um you've obviously built up ascendant to where it is today if you could have done some things differently now looking from the lens of where you are today what would you have gone back to adjust if if anything
0: yeah i would have um i would have taking more time to improve my financial base my financial understanding right because one one of the big turns for both me and the business was just kind of learning that you don't wait until like you have big piles of money to save you make saving systematic right so out of every 100 dollars you have come in 10 goes to savings right on a weekly basis send 40 dollars, 75 dollars 180 300 whatever you can do and just make that systematic if you miss a week who cares go to it the next week and then what you realize is after two years you actually got some money right yeah but most of us you know we are day traders and we want it to just be like the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow well there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow There are these coins that as you're going across, if you, you know, drop them along the way, collectively, you can pick them up and you got your pot of gold that way. But it's not just going to be there magically.
1: Mm, That's good. That's good. So so being do you follow like a profit first model or or some of those things?
0: Um, yeah, I mean so yeah, so we we did some profit first stuff, but I mean really I just kind of got down to weekly basis save some money. I <laughs> like it's yeah. Look, and it does have to be the same amount every week, right? And then when you start thinking about your debt, like if you if you have debts, just basically incrementally pull them down, right? Again, like It's just not going to happen overnight. You don't wait till you got a big tax refund, or you just close a big client, and all this and that. What you do daily adds up to create the big picture.
1: Mm, That's good. That's gold. So, so talk to us more. Now, I want to talk about. We talk about three Ds mainly. We talked about discovery, right? Discovering your gift, the gift that you have, and then we went into development, the development phase of what you do. The last piece of it is distribution and marketing, essentially marketing. So, and, and I know you'll appreciate this. This comes from the the parable of the talents, right? So we know that one had one, one had two, one had five. God was mad at the one that hid theirs in the ground. And I believe that in that process, there was an explanation, whether it's kind of implied, that one, you have a gift. God doesn't tell you, hey, Raul, you're great at finding the strengths. You're a maximizer in other people. You You kind of discover it through life and trials and bumping your head. And then you develop it because God doesn't want you to keep whatever you have in its state, it wants you to get better. And then the last piece is uh, to distribute it, you know, market it. And so a lot of people have struggles with this part, right, which is what your business essentially does is it helps to amplify voices and speakers and CEOs. Um, So what is the thing that you would say to somebody? that's looking to distribute themselves. They're a speaker, they're a coach, they're CEO.
0: Yeah, I mean, so business is not just business to business or business to consumer. It's H to H, human to human connectivity. How do you develop the emotional connection for the brand? How do you become the chief storyteller for your business? Because at the end of the day, you already are, right? And a lot of times people think about personal branding or CEO branding as being about ego, but it's about effectiveness. And look, like you have a responsibility. If you think what you're doing matters to tell people about it and make sure that they understand it because otherwise you're going to spend money with people who aren't going to serve them as well. And whose fault is that yours? Because you wanted to be fake humble and, oh, I don't like to talk about myself. My product stands on its own. Okay. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it really boils down to having authenticity Mm. and for people to see that you represent what you believe in. And if you believe in your business, people are more likely to believe in your product. And that Mm. has to be seen. And that's what venture capitalists look for, right? Like, why are are sometimes venture capitalists, like, snarky? It's because they want to see if the entrepreneur gets bent out of shape over a question. Because if Mm. they get bent out of shape over a question, how are they going to handle a crisis? Yeah. Right? So people have always invested in people. Good. And that is, the, that is the oldest trait we have in humanity, right? I mm-hmm. mean, before there were corporate logos, there was conversation, right? Yeah. So reading facial expressions and all these things are what matter the most. And, you know, a mentor of mine, Chris Collins, puts it like this. All of us have two choices. You can either get branded or you can be labeled. Being branded, is when you are able to influence how people see things. Being labeled is when nobody knows what you do. They all just guess, and then no one can figure it out. They don't even know how to talk about you. They don't know how to refer business to you because they don't get it. Mm -hmm. Clarity is everything.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. So in this realm, can you just break it down for what you do for people that are, and I know I kind of explained a little bit earlier, on CEO and CEO branding. What are some of the things that you do for, for your clients and what are some of the transformational results that you've had for some of your clients?
0: Yeah, I mean, so it boils down to this. It is number one, understanding why you do what you do, right? Why do you run the business that you do? And then what strengths can people see clearly in you? And then how do we amplify them? And the way we typically amplify them is, number one, we try to create like a tagline for a client. So, for instance, we have this marriage counselor. Her name was very hard to say. And then we branded her as America's Marriage Doctor. And people remember America's Marriage Doctor. I mean, that's that's easy to remember, right? Yeah. Um, Then you think about how does amplification occur? So many times that will be public relations. That will be maybe writing a book. That will be amplifying your social media that can be speaking. And the trick is, do all these things work together? right? Yeah. Like are, am I getting a consistent experience? Do people feel similarly about you? And don't get me wrong, you can customize yourself to the audience, but you know you're not supposed you're not gonna be a, you're not supposed to be a jack- of all trades, right? Mm-hmm. There should be some level of core centeredness that everyone feels to some degree,
1: for sure for sure and I I know I know you have um NDAs and things is there is there any example you could speak on a client you you know that Ascendants work with and just I, yeah, I I fun, so
0: a fun example is um and he, he's a Christian is Jonathan Bender he used to play for the Indiana Pacers he um had uh and he was like number five draft pick in the league he blew his knee out, unfortunately, after a few years. And what he did was, he went and created a product that was so good, it rehabbed his knee and got him back into the NBA. So he played with the Knicks for, um, you know, about the last 10 games of a season or so. And he decided not to come back. Like, they wanted him back, but he decided not to come back. And instead, he decided to launch a business. So he was generating, you know, a not that much money monthly i won't go into all the details um and we ended up working with him on a message that basically said 70 percent nba players go broke within five years of retiring here's someone who proactively retired to pursue her business adventures and the media loved that story he was on fox business multiple times he was in sports illustrated he was on sports illustrated tv in forbes Bloomberg, CNBC, all this sort of stuff, right? And his business grew like 3,000%. It was insane. And he ended up being able to sell it to a division of a publicly traded company 18 months
1: later. Wow. For I'm um, imagining some amazing figures. Wow. Yes. So, so, <laughs> so I love that. I love that. So Raul, could you break down for people like, well, Raul, my product is great. My What I do is great. Uh, my skills and services are great. Why do I need to distribute myself or brand myself or market myself? Why do I need to do that? What's the importance? Um, Because if it was
0: that great, then you'd be a billionaire by now. If you're not a billionaire, then one of two things is happening. A, it's not that great, or B, you haven't told enough people about it. So if you Mm. really think it's that great, then how about you tell some more people about it and we'll see.
1: Mm. That's good, that's good. So what are some of the things that you are working on if you that you can speak on um regarding branding marketing in and, and this new world that we live in this ai powered world and there's all this stuff going on or or has your philosophy shifted or changed or is it remains the same hey we, we we're good at what we do yeah i mean so
0: a couple of things we're looking at now is we're in the process of opening an office in a prominent middle east location um Most people could probably guess what that is, but, um, you know, so we're doing that. That's going to be exciting in the next uh, few months, middle of 2023. Uh, We're looking at the influence of chat GPT, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is some opportunities when you start thinking about blog, creating blog content and that sort of stuff where look like honestly, I hated like slaving 45 to 60 minutes dealing with a blog, if I basically can put in some inputs, and you can create a decent draft for me, and I spend five to seven minutes editing it. That is a time multiplier over the course of a year, right? right. So we're definitely looking at that as well. And then, um, lastly, social has shifted quite a bit, right? I mean, so Facebook, it's flamed to some degree, right? Like people do not like it as much as they used to. But all of a sudden, Gary Vee was on earlier this week. Um, we were talking in April, excuse me, March 2023. And he talked about Facebook Reels, you know, being a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And then Instagram's organic engagement has gone down recently, right? And now LinkedIn right. wants you to do video Reels and TikTok. is bad. So there's all these moving pieces and you have mm-hmm. to constantly think about how to get juice out of them, right? And, I, and you know, this time last year, I would have told you Twitter was dead, but Twitter has come roaring back. So wow. it is quite a dynamic that you have to stay on top of. And then you also have to honestly have younger talent. I mean, one of the biggest things I, I came into recent revelation on the last two years is I was 25 when I started this company. And I remember in the early days, we said we'd never hire anyone over 30. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm 44 now, right? Mm-hmm. And we basically were aging as a team and we've infused ourselves with Gen Z talent the last two years and has made a huge difference.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So what what would you say to those looking to like, like yourself when you were 25, start uh, a, a PR firm or a branding firm? What, what would you say to them to, to build the, the building blocks to do this correctly and build this out in the right right format?
0: Yeah, um, so I think early on, you got to figure out which aspect of a business you are going to be great at and which kind of clients you want to focus on and try to be really sharp at that because then you'll get referrals, right? So like if you spread your business out too far right away, the issue becomes it's hard for your business to have synergy, right? And you know if you don't have venture capital at the beginning of your business, every dollar matters. So you want to be smart about how you spend your energy because then you get a better return on it.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it, Raul. Um, So anything uh, talking talk about fire starters and it's your book and and some of the work that you do, what? What, what, what's somebody going to gain? I, I already know, but what's somebody going to gain as they read that book and get, get insights into that Yeah, book? I mean,
0: so it's about the innovators, initiators, and instigators that shape our world, right? So for instance, you know, obviously in Elon Musk, who we talked about early on in the book, is an innovator, right? An instigator would have been someone like Tupac or Dr. King, right? And then an initiator is someone like John Adams, who sat on more congressional committees and like pretty much anyone in history, it's someone who focuses on getting things done. So there's tests in there to help you kind of understand which one are you, what's your greatest area of strength? right? And then when you start thinking about assembling your team and the people around you, it can be useful to make sure you have the right mix, right? Because if you got a bunch of innovators, you ain't gonna get none done, right? I'm just gonna be sitting around the desk innovating. Um, if you got only initiators, then the big picture gets lost. And if you got a bunch of instigators, I can't tell you how much trouble that's gonna be. Uh, y'all gonna be arguing all day. So, um, so having that mix matters. Uh, so I think that's one value out of a book. Another value out of a book is that we just kind of talk about this idea of what are gonna be the things that help you find fuel to keep you going, right? So, like, we talk about the idea of fuel and however people have found fuel. and that example I used at Kobe Bryant was also pliable to the fuel concept, right? He's always finding the next fuel that keeps him going. And then how do you avoid extinguishers, right? So the things that basically can just uproot you. So, for instance, um, Kathy Griffin, when she decided to do that uh, image of, you know, who? Um, former president. Destroyed her social media career overnight. Damaged her career. She's just now coming back from it. Right? Mm. So, that was stupid. Mm. Like, why do you need to do that? Right? Antonio Brown. One of the greatest wide receivers of all time. You're playing with Tom Brady. You're living in his house. Like, how about you don't take off your uniform and throw a temper tantrum? right so um that's why it matters because like i you know and we're believers here like to me free will is not used as often as it should be i think most people are drones right Mm -hmm. like they are slaves to ver robotic behavior the highest form of free will is when you have mindfulness Mm -hmm. and that mindfulness comes into play like for instance a Navy SEAL has the flexibility of, you know, they could be single, they could be at the bar, they could meet an attractive woman and they could decide not to focus on that because we're on mission, right? Most guys, you know, would <laughs> just go here with fun. That's right. because, and, and it's not that Navy SEAL even really making that decision in a moment, it's about the decision he made previously to become a Navy SEAL, right? Mm-hmm. Because then the training he got shapes his behavior in the moment. So the biggest point of freedom we have is to decide how we get trained, Mm. what we will do to make ourselves better, right? And so for instance, if you read the book of Proverbs 30 days in a row, you'll make wiser decisions, Mm. right? In the moment. And you'll make them because you essentially have been trained to make
1: them. That's good. That's good, man. Dropping gems gems so Ro a question we always ask everyone on the show you weren't prepped for this question but I'm sure you'll answer it very awesomely uh what's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose one's gift
0: yeah yeah so so the gift so the gift is like the thing that you are naturally more talented at a lot of times right and your purpose is the thing that you are a a, I I would just say the thing that you're accountable for helping others to be, right? Mm. So like, um, you had a client who once said, um, acting is his gift, changing lives is his purpose, Mm. right? So that gift can help you with your purpose, but you can't get so focused and so tied up in the gift that you don't get to your purpose.
1: That's gold, man. Cool. Is there anything I didn't ask you that, you know, you would tell somebody listening that um, I just, I just didn't ask.
0: I would just say work with David Simmons. He's going to help you in terms of your social media and your personal branding and doing a lot of things to help you grow your business.
1: I appreciate that and always thinking of others. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll plug in the show no um the the notes uh where they can work with you. How how can people, you know, that want to work with you, Raul, and say, hey, I'm I'm a CEO of a XYZ company. We're you know, we're growing, but I don't have a CEO brand. how can people get plugged in? Yeah, I
0: mean, so the the fastest way to get in contact with me is really Instagram. So it's at Raul Davis Brands, R-A-O-U-L-Davis Brands. Um, LinkedIn works well. And then lastly, you know, going to the website and filling out a form.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Well, awesome, man. Thank you for pouring into the people, man. Really, My really pleasure. beautiful stuff. Thank you for pouring all that wisdom. So, truly appreciate it. Thank you for being a mentor, a friend, everything.
0: Love it. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, I oh. all over the world, struggling to find it. Dear
1: listener. I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date. And it's called The Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats. An amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift, as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast dot david the middle initial D Simons S-I-M-O-N-S dot com and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.